baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Perry Woods. And yes, indeed, The Weekend Report is on your radio. Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Tony Colombo in studio with producer Frank Ladd. And my partner Chris Arps is once again connected through the marvel of modern technology at the Arps Compound somewhere in the St. Louis metro area under 50 feet of concrete and steel in a nondescript building that you would never find even if you tried your hardest to locate. Chris, how are you? Tony, I'm doing well. You know, uh, our producer, Frank Land, has a great show for us today. He Excellent. I can't does. wait to uh, get going. He does have a great show for us today. We are going to talk to Fox 2 News anchor John Brown, who has a new book out and, of course, uh, I'm sure has a lot of thoughts and opinions about everything that's happening in the headlines these days. So we'll talk to him about the news and we'll talk to him about his new book. Uh, we will also talk to America's favorite liberal, Keith Antone. In fact, in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to hit you with Keith early uh, this week, Chris. So get Gee, ready. Thanks. Yeah, get ready for the debate. Um, Keith always brings a very uh, animated conversation with him when he joins us on the show. And That's one way to describe it, yes. I always look forward to that. And... Congressman-elect. Yes. That's a nice... Say it, say it again, Tony. I will. Congressman-elect <laughs> Burgess Owens will join us again this week. Our good friend Burgess was finally, earlier this week, finally uh, declared the winner of his race in Utah and will indeed be the next congressman from the great state of Utah. I am so happy for Burgess. What do you... Let's start there, Chris. Um, how happy are you for our friend? I'm I'm very thrilled with him because, you know, we have a relationship with him. We brought him to town a couple of years ago for an event for 97.1 uh, and, and for the Weekend Report and the Tim Jones Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was such a humble guy and had a really great life story, a kind of pull yourself up from your britches after being on top story. And it's just amazing to see a guy who just three years ago, uh, was a retired NFL player, businessman, uh, writes a book, um, goes on the bestseller list, ends up being a Fox News regular, uh, comes to St. Louis, does radio for us all around the country. And the next thing you know, Tony, he's congressman-elect. He's congressman-elect. It's, it's nuts. Uh, it's nuts, and I'm so happy for him. And what an inspirational guy. What a great story. As you mentioned, he started with nothing, then had everything. As a world-class athlete and Super Bowl champion, then lost everything again due to some poor choices and and some bad decisions, pulled himself up from that, and not only became a best-selling author, but now, uh, like you said, a best-selling author and a Fox News contributor and, you know, back in the spotlight, but now winning his 
uh, his race in Utah and going to be the next congressman. And even, I mean, we've known him long enough that he says this every time he's on and whenever he talks about running, how he'd never had any intention of being in government, being a politician. And even when we first met him, he didn't seem to have those aspirations uh, a few years ago. But, you know, as life evolved and things were happening and he realized that maybe he could impact some change, some positive change, if he was uh, able to serve the the country in the United States Congress, he made that decision. And now he's won the race and he's going to be in the House. Awesome. What a, what a story. It's a great story. And, you know, Tony, because he's been high profile these last few years, um, he's going to be an instant star once he gets in Congress. He's going to be doing a lot of media. He's going to be very high profile. Um, and he's going to be able to set the agenda and the tone for a post uh, Donald Trump Republican Party. So he'll have a vote in January in, uh, as far as the leadership is concerned in the House of Representatives. So I'm going to ask Burgess if he's going to vote for Nancy Pelosi to retain her speakership. I wonder what he'll say. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here, really far out on the limb, and say that he's going to vote for the minority leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy, yeah. instead. You think so? Well, I guess we'll I find do. out. I guess we'll find out. I, you're probably right. <laughs> you know, there's a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's like a, a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not one of the ways that you do that, by winning friends in Congress, by voting for the opposite party <laughs> yeah, no kidding. leader. So uh, let's dive right in. Of course, the presidential election remains the number one headline across the country, even though we are now weeks away from the actual election date. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, a couple days ago, had a uh, very uh, well-publicized and fiery press conference with uh, other members of Trump's legal team. How did you feel about that press conference and just the general state of the various lawsuits and challenges that the Trump team continues to uh, pursue uh, when it, in regards to the election? Well, I have to say, Tony, I'm disappointed in you, actually. Mm. Um, you are a seasoned newsman, and you missed the most important part of that story, which was the hair dye rolling down uh, Rudy Giuliani's face? That's that's what we should be talking about here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good, not a good look, not a good look. Uh, but what do you what do you think about uh, what do you think about the status of these lawsuits and the validity of these lawsuits and the potential for success? Well, I, I think it's what a lot of supporters of the president have been saying. A lot of the detractors of the president have been saying and we haven't really seen a, a lot of proof, if any. Uh, the Sidney Pyle gives a very, very compelling story about Dominion and its connections to Hugo Chavez and Venezuela and uh, the manipulation of votes from uh, Donald Trump to Joe Biden. It gives a very good story, but we haven't seen any definitive proof. And the votes that have been recovered in Georgia are not nearly enough to close the gap uh, to help the president uh, win Georgia. Mm -hmm. And some of these other lawsuits uh, that he has filed uh, that uh, allow uh, Republican observers to be able to to, uh, look at the counting and things of that nature aren't bringing any of the votes that are needed to overturn the elections in many of the states that he needs uh, to win the presidency. Nor did I ever expect them to. And anybody who was hanging their hat on a recount 
was never going to. <laughs> I think Mark Cox is holding his hand on. No, I, I think I'll say that about I, him. I don't. I don't believe that. I mean, there's never been a recount that's ever overturned any election on a national level that I'm aware of. And not only that, if you recounts aren't aren't what is going to prove anything for the president. They're going to have to identify and prove giant chunks of fraud in multiple states. And it's not going to be because a a vote counter somewhere put some extra ballots in in, in the wrong basket. It's going to have to be what you, what you just mentioned that Sidney Powell, uh, one of the one of Trump's lawyers, was indicating in that press conference that there was systematic voter fraud and illegal activity done that would affect the election on a large level. You're not going to find that type of corruption or enough to change anything by looking at the way that the votes were counted in the various states, in my opinion. What do you think of that? I agree wholeheartedly. Um, The president's legal team have about two weeks until December 14th when the electors certified the election. So if they have proof, and uh, they have steadfastly said they have proof to prove all of these allegations, then they need to start uh, showing it. Because as we've seen these last 10 days since the election, um, the media and many of the uh, American people are going along the notions that uh, former Vice President Joe Biden is the president-elect. And they can't have that in people's minds. Do you think it's appropriate to call Joe Biden president-elect at this point? You know, it's it, it's not the popular thing to say uh, on this station, probably, and on conservative audience to Republicans. But I, I do uh, until we see uh, uh, any proof that uh, there was out there was misuse of the voting system. Then, yes, I think he was uh, elected president. I don't think he I don't I think technically he probably shouldn't be using president elect. And technically, I don't think we were calling. Anybody president-elect in the year 2000 when there were um, uh, lawsuits still pending and we were waiting for the outcome of. But I I just but don't, I I don't have the energy to though. fight. I think Frank will agree that, you know, we were talking about 537 votes in Florida. You know, in well, this instance, you're talking four or five states with tens of thousands but, of, uh, of votes. But to finish my thought, I was I, I, as even though I don't think it's technically right, I— have no energy to fight that battle like it doesn't if the news media that's wants to, the answer right there if the news media <laughs> wants to call him president-elect it, it's yeah. like if you I want to roll, call him that i great, sort of roll my eyes at it roll with the punches on but this i one. don't have yeah but i don't it's, it's like, not okay. worth it's not worth an argument for me similar to similar to other congress people calling themselves congressman-elect before all of the votes had, had, had been counted it's for lack of a for lack of a better phrase, it's a figure of speech, right? And it's like, it, you know, as a candidate, vi- former candidate, former vice president Joe Biden, blah blah blah, president elect. You say it because it's easier to write in, in a headline. It's easier to read it in a click. We don't need to get that deep into the fact that okay, this could be here, this could be here. There's too many variables. It's like we have so much complexity in our in our lives, Chris. And that saying, it, vice, pre- that saying signif- president-elect makes it easier for us. And I think what it signifies, too, is an acceptance of the election results, to be frank with you. 
Yeah, which is... In- and so I can call him vice president-elect. I, I'd love to see uh, votes come up that'll put president ahead in many of these states, and he's elected president. I would love to see that. But I have come to an acceptance of uh, the November 3rd election, even though I do think there's rapid fraud. You sound but down, I haven't Chris. seen enough fraud. <laughs> you sound down. Election. Chris, what is, is it a victory for... Republicans, the Trump team, somebody, any is it, a, is it a victory for the country if fraud is exposed at a at a fairly high level, but not enough to come even even really close to changing the election? Is that is that still a victory if we shine a spotlight on Fraud that has been committed, I mean, even a, if it doesn't a victory, change the event. A victory for whom? I mean, Trump supporters. Uh, that's want what I'm asking. Is the it a election victory? overturned? Right. So is it? Is so? That's my question. Is exposing fraud, but not to the level of getting the election overturned, is that still yeah, a, yeah, a defeat? Because I, I, I still, I would say that that's a victory still, but. I think exposing fraud is very important, especially when you still have two elections outstanding in Georgia that could uh, determine who controls the United States Senate. And uh, mail-in ballots began being mailed out earlier this week. So I think that's where a major part of this fraud comes from, uh, the not uh, verifying signatures on, on ballots, um, uh, other potential things, other things that have been documented as being wrong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a victory in that sense and that we should focus on it so we don't have it in future elections. But I'm worried, Tony, if if this conspiracy is as widespread as Sidney Powell and Trump's lawyers have said, I mean, this could be a constitutional crisis to see fraud on this type of scale, mm-hmm. to see an American election for the president being stolen like this. And I'll I, tell you what, in, if in a deeply divided country that we have already, I would be uh, very afraid of that. Here's the one thing that I would warn Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and the rest of the Trump team, not that they're listening to me, um, <laughs> although maybe they do download the podcast. You know, that's hey, very man, possible. I'll send that's, it to them. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, if you're going to make the types of allegations that you that you have made this week, you better be able to pack them up, because yeah. if you can't, then you have set back any type of of argument against fraud or any type of people that are fighting against voter irregularities and voter fraud and things like that. Because if you make these accusations and you don't have the receipts to back it up. The next time somebody thinks that the fix is in and tries to prove it, they will not be taken as seriously because somebody's cried wolf. Exactly. Tony, think of this scenario, though. You know, I think December 14th is the date that uh, the electors vote to formally uh, make Joe uh, Joe Biden the next president. What if they really do have serious evidence, as they claim, and they drop this like December 12th? December 13th, right before the vote. I mean, I could see Trump doing something like this just for the showman aspect aspect of it and just throwing a hand grenade in the middle of a crowded theater. And you're happy about that thought. 
I, I'm not saying I'm happy about You're it. You're laughing about I'm it. Saying, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> How does that help anybody? From an entertainment standpoint, yeah. right? But, but, not but from, this uh, is not right. this is not what we're looking for out of governance for yeah. our country. I want them. <laughs> no, we're not looking I for entertainment. Them, right? I want them just to because pre- I came up with this suggestion doesn't mean I would. I'm condoning it or why. <laughs> well, I'm just that. concerned I'm just, that I'm you're giggling about it. Of, uh, Donald <laughs> Trump. Watch your giggles, <laughs> then. Yeah, it it any nothing would surprise me, but I would hope that they will present that evidence as soon as they have it gathered and about uh, December 13th. put together. Right. All right, we need to take a quick break. Chris, as I always tell you, gird up your loins. Prepare for America's favorite liberal. I have a feeling you two are going to be uh, having that animated discussion momentarily. Keith Antone I'm- joins us next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with producer Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arps. And as I mentioned in that last segment, joining us now on the phone is our good friend, America's favorite liberal, Keith Antone. Keith, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. How you doing? I am doing. I am doing fine. Also. Uh, lots of places that we could start this conversation. We were just talking about the election and uh, Rudy Giuliani and the various uh, Trump lawsuits, but um, let's 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 set that aside for a second. We'll we'll get into that. We have plenty of time. Um, I want to shift gears to uh, some things that are happening here locally and get your thoughts, uh, Keith, on the new restrictions that are being put in place by Sam Page in the county. And uh, not just the restrictions that have been put in place, but the idea that has been floated out that with the number of coronavirus cases on the rise, that we should be going, you know, reverting back to uh, more of a shutdown phase uh, like we were in several months ago. And just get your thoughts on where we're at on that and and what what you think about it. Do do you support that that shutdown idea? Well, you know, you know, uh, let me let me say something, Tony, this covid thing is. It's very, very personal to me. I think I've shared with you guys that I lost my mother-in-law back in May to COVID-19. I just buried an aunt in Memphis a couple of days ago uh, from the COVID-19. Another aunt, her her only uh, surviving sister, has COVID-19. I've lost friend, friends with it. I've had friends with it that have survived. So it was kind of personal uh, uh, to me, um, and, and, and I am supporting that. But 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 let me say it I, with an asterisk. I'm supporting, you know, more restrictions and, and the lockdown. But if you have people on lockdown and they don't have a way of getting around to make money, uh, and the and the federal government isn't doing any of the 
you know, giving any um, any more of the stimulus checks and or the additional funds for 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 people that are on on unemployment, then you're creating you're creating a, a, a Pandora's box that 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 you know will never get a lid on. So, yeah, I do support it because the numbers, the math doesn't lie. Trump lies, but the math doesn't lie, and so the numbers are going up, and so we are getting more cases and more people are dying. And so we've got to do something. And all I'm saying is that at least if we're doing that, uh, we're taking a, we're being more proactive versus reactive. Go ahead, Chris. Keith, Chris Arves, congratulations, my friend, on uh, Joe Biden's apparent win of the presidency. I uh, just wanted to say that to you publicly on air. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, the last time we, us three talked, you know, we, we, we were in a heated debate and, um, you know, uh, uh, I think I think the American people have spoken. And so, you know, we need to make sure we have a smooth transition of power and uh, and let's 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 get going. And, you know, Trump, I, I keep telling people Trump may be leaving the White House, but you, that's not the last we're going to hear this guy is he, uh, he'll be doing speeches and, and, and his uh, his uh, uh, tour and, and, and books and all kind of stuff. We're, we're not going to get rid of him, but, you know. Uh, all right. Well, here, all right. Well, here's my here's my question. You have not uh, you you have made it clear that you are not a fan of uh, St. Louis Mayor Lyda Cruz on your Facebook page. Um, you put up many hashtags saying re- resign Lyda. I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and and say that you are not believing Lyda Cruz's excuse that she is approaching 70 and she wants to do other things in life and retire. I want to ask you, why do you think that she is retiring, and uh, who is your uh, dog in this race? Uh, let me be perfectly clear. Lida is lying. That is not the reason. <laughs> yeah, she's old, but she's lying. Lying Lida. Uh, the reality is that, that, that in the Post-Dispatch, if anybody has not been under a rock and been reading the Post this week, they've been uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, showing the, the, the numerous miscues and missteps and, and complete utter failure of leadership that she has shown. I, and you know, guys, I've been, Chris, you know, I've been consistent since January, February on resign Lida. Now she needs to resign. Do the city a favor. You say you love the city? Well, quit and get the hell out the way. And, and, and so I believe that she's doing the right thing, but I believe she's lying when she says she's getting old. Yes, yeah, she's getting old. She looks bad. I seen her press conference the other day and her hair looks like it's falling out and Look like, you know, she might be, a, you know, she, she, she's just this. Listen, politics, Keith, you don't have you don't, to get personal. Now, who's your dog in the race? Well, right now, guys, I don't have a dog in the fight. Uh, the candidate that I will be supporting uh, has not formally announced that he's running. But, uh, you know, I don't have a problem saying that, you know, I support Lewis Reed. He's got the legislative experience. He's the longest-running Board of Aldermen president that we've had in the city of St. Louis. He um, has was very, very effective when he was a Board of Aldermen, when he was uh, uh, Alderman of the Sixth Ward. Um, and so, and, and he's got the experience, and he will be the candidate that could hit the ground running day one, just like Joe Biden will hit the ground running day one with or without the uh, support of Trump. And Keith, for people that don't follow you on social media or haven't heard you have this discussion before, you're a Democrat. Lida Krusen is a Democrat. Why have you not supported Lida and her leadership while she's been mayor? 
Well, you know, I, I, I won't say that I have not supported her. Um, I, I, I was, uh, I did work on the campaign of Lewis Reed when he, uh, when, when it was a six, seven person race, uh, I've supported him in everything that he's ever done. Um, and I, and I was willing to give light a chance, um, but, but, but it's been four years. She's been an epic failure. Uh, she's doxed the protesters by putting out their names and addresses on, on Facebook. I think she's, uh, fumbled this, 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 uh, pandemic on how she's handled that. I think she's fumbled that. Uh, I don't see that she has an inclusive, uh, administration. And I think she is focused on the central quarter and 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 everything uh, south of the Del Mar divide, south of Del Mar, and so and so it's just a number of things. And if anybody has not lived under a rock this past week, just go out and Google Lyda Cruzen uh, in, in the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and you'll see they've listed a, a number of of, uh, of of failures that she's had in, during her uh, during her tenure. And this is not easy, man. Listen, politics. As you guys know, it's a blood sport, and, and, and it can't be for the weak and timid, and this has been wearing on her. She's a ceremonial mayor. She likes to go around and cut ribbons and, and do all that crap, you know, and, 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 and go to chicken dinners and, and sit at the head of the table. You, you, you need somebody like Louis Reed who's going to hit the ground running day one and who will get some things done. He knows how to get things done. He was responsible for that major development in, in Washington, on Washington uh, Boulevard downtown, and that, that spurred the whole, whole movement there downtown. And so, and so that's why I'm going to be going with Louis Reed uh, and why I'm putting, uh, betting, the, betting the farm on Louis Reed to be the next mayor of the city of St. Louis. Talking to Keith Antone. Go ahead, Chris. You know, Keith, the Post-Dispatch has made no secret that they are not a fan of St. Louis Treasurer Tashara Jones. Uh, One of her opponents in 2017 was the former alderman and uh, social justice warrior Antonio French. Um, He was named recently as an editorial writer uh, for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. There's no love loss between Antonio French and Tashara Jones. Uh, am I just being conspiratorial, or do you see uh, that move there as a means for them to attack Tashara Jones with and not be labeled as a racist editorial board? Well, you know, first of all, let me say this: they've done a pretty good job of that over the last five or six years. They've, you know, they've been twenty-three negative uh, editorials uh, about Tashara, so they don't need Antonio French. Uh, to do that, uh, I think cover. it's a great move. I, I think it's a great move uh, by the post to try to, you know, to be, you know, more inclusive and 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 and, and diverse. Uh, clearly, it's been lily white uh, 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 males who who all live out in, in in the county. So that was a good move by them to diversify. I hope to see more of that from from the city's only daily, daily paper. I, I I've heard that, Chris. You're not the first one to say that because the announcement came shortly after Tassar said she was running for mayor. But you can best believe the Post-Dispatch and all the major TV stations, uh, they don't need Antonio French to, 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 to barbecue her behind uh, every chance that they, that they get. So, no, I, I'm not going to buy that. I'm, they're not going to give him a decent salary and benefits just to come on. And then, you know, that's, that's called a guest editorial, you know, if you just want to come I, on But my point her. is, Keith, does it give them cover? You know, they're going to be accused of being a racist editorial board without any people of color if they can say if they have someone that is now on the board and who gives an occasional 
uh, disparaging editorial onto Charles' management of the treasurer's office and and the, the uh, you know things of corruption. Does that give the Post Dispatch cover from racism, Charles? No, no, no I don't think so. I, I I don't think it does. They've been doing it. Listen, they have. Uh, that Tony Messenger has has been about as as good for for, for African American uh, um, uh, leadership and African American politicians in this city as coronavirus has has for for for, for the country. He 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 goes in on every single. It's not just Ashara. She gets a good 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 chunk of it, but he he goes in on every single African American in leadership uh, in this city. And, and and you can best believe your boy over there at Ch- Channel 2, you pay for it. Elliot Davis is going to kick it in high gear. Uh, he's another one that, that, that hates Afri- all African-American leadership in this city. So it, it, they, they don't need Antonio for that. And the mainstream media will do just what they do, and that is they will be on attack with or without Antonio. I don't believe that they brought him on for that. And I don't think it gives them any cover. They're going to do it anyway. I think it'll be interesting because uh, Antonio French was Lewis Reed's campaign manager for his first run for uh, yeah. for board of oh, aldermen. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if that could have uh, some influence on the. Coverage. I'm wondering will his editorials be just as rough on him as they are on Tashar Jones? You can best believe Antonio showed his true colors. You know the the little yellow belly sap sucker. He showed his true colors <laughs> when when when. When, when he went out there and uh, uh, went, 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 went to uh, Washington, Keeps on DC. fire today, Chris. <laughs> yellow yeah, belly sapsucker, wow. Yeah, 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 yellow belly sapsucker. He, he showed his true colors to Benedict Arnold, uh, told Lewis that he wasn't going to run and, and that he was going to support Lewis. He went out there to the Com- Democratic National Convention, got all fired up and started believing his own, uh, 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 his own, uh, press. His own press release. Yep. And so he comes back, and after telling Lewis, you know, because I worked on the first one, I worked on the second one, and I'll work on this one. After telling him he was not going to run, Lewis, you know, talked to him, and, and they were friends, man. You know, and this is what he did. He stuck a, a knife in his back. The, He's giving the audience go inside Democrat information No there. kidding. I like it. I like it. Well, no, no. No, you, no guys, I'm, I'm telling you, that that's what happened. And so uh, we were just, as, yeah. you know, just stunned that he would do that. And so, no, he's going to, he's going to stick it to Lewis and, and, you know, and, and keep that check coming. You know, you'll be surprised what people do when you, when you got a paycheck behind your name. Let's keep talking about division in the democratic party. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nationally, we've seen uh, we've seen a little bit of a battle brewing, and I think it's going to get worse once uh, Joe Biden is in office, and you know we're officially passed all of these lawsuits and everything. Um, that there are many people on the progressive side that, and in, in, including uh, leadership from groups like Black Lives Matter, that are telling Joe Biden that they owe that he owes them something that without their support. Without the support of the progressives, without the support of uh, groups like BLM, that he wouldn't have been elected president. And there are people on the more moderate side, traditional Democrats, that are saying, look, the reason that we didn't win the Senate and the, and the reason that we lost seats in the House is because we embraced these progressive principles. We don't owe you anything. And in fact, you're making things worse. What do you think about the state of the Democratic Party, and where do you fall, Keith, when it comes to that uh, progressive side and saying, you know, we need to continue to pull the party further to the left, and the traditional, uh, more moderate Democrats saying, no, we need to stay kind of where we've been? Where do you come down on that on that topic? 
Well, you know, I, I've always considered myself to be a conservative, uh, a liberal, and, and Democrat, and kind of middle of the road guy. I can see good <laughs> in everything. Like half good. our audience just ran off the road right then. <laughs> right, 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 right. I know, I know, I know. But, but, but the reality here. But the reality here, guys. I think you know. I was just talking to my wife today about politics in general, and here's the thing. There's, 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 there's divisions and different, you know, fractions uh, uh, within the party. And as long as everybody comes to the table and everybody gets something that they want, you're not going to get 100% of what you want, and nobody does in life. I don't get 100% of what I want in my relationship with my wife after 22 years. It ain't 100% of what I want. I get most of what I want, and she gets more of what she wants. <laughs> and, in, and, in, and, 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 you know, in negotiation one on one, you know, it's about can well, can I get something? Let me say can this I though, Keith. Something? Let me say this though. This is one I've had this knock uh, on the Tea Party for, for years since the Tea Party came and went years ago, and I said that one of the big failures of the Tea Party was exactly what you just said. They were a a group, uh, a, a part of the Republican Party, a group of conservatives that said this is what we believe in and. There are we're not nego- it's non-negotiable. We're not we're not moving uh, uh, any we're not moving off of our point even a little bit. And people said what you just said, including me, that you you can't that that that's not going to work. And the Tea Party, by and large, came and went, and you know had some success initially, but then sort of crashed and went away. The I see, unless I'm wrong, correct me if if you think I am. I see the progressive wing of the Democrat Party doing exactly what the Tea Party did years ago. Now saying things, they're using words like non-negotiable. You know, they're they're these are their terms. They don't want to move on. They don't want to have that compromise that you were just talking about that I agree with. And I think that that could become a very big problem for Joe Biden and the Democrats moving forward. What do you think, Tony? 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 Chris? My friends, two words for you. Bernie Sanders, okay? That's it. The reality here is I think the Democratic Party has spoken. Yeah, we know that the progressive candidate, Cori Bush, did well here after she beat Lazy Lacey, you know, uh, in in August, um, you know, for that congressional seat, but that's been held by his family for almost like 40 years, right? The reality is that that the take on, 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 on Lacey, and this is not my opinion, this is what I've heard when I'm out here in these streets, that he's lazy, that he's done nothing, and he only comes around when it's time for election. And guess what? This is what happens when, when you're out there. Somebody is going to beat you. Had this been a candidate that has been visible, uh, you know, in, in, their, in their district, I don't think Lacey has lived here in St. Louis in probably 20 years, right? He doesn't even still live in the district. Um, you know, he lives in D.C. And so, so it, there's a disconnect there. So I think anybody could have beat him, you know, not just a, the, the, from the progressive party. So, so, so the, the, I agree with you. I think that this thing is going to crash and burn because mm. they're just too far out there. And mm. when you use words like non-negotiable, then we, not, we can't even come to the table. Yeah. Why am I going to have a conversation? If I come on here and you guys say, Keith, any and everything you say is stupid and crazy and Matter, we shouldn't even give you airtime. Then, then, 
why would I want to come on here? But at least if you let me come to the table and say my part, doesn't mean, you know, we can agree to disagree. That's why I like you guys. That's why I come on 97.1. Because I, you, you, we, agree, we agree to disagree, and we listen to each other's point. And I ain't the yes man for the Democrat Party. And you've heard me attack Democrats. You've heard me attack the Republicans. I'm for what's right and how, how it's going to affect the, 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 the community and the people, not people, uh, not the individuals. I'm not for the individual win, uh, for the politicians to line up their pockets and for them to win. I'm for the people to win. That's who I want to see win. Keith, Keith Go ahead, I Chris, do have one. to defend my U-City neighbor uh, and congressman, Lacey Clay. He does uh, live in U-City, bought a house here about uh, three or four years ago. Is he there uh, very he often, claimed. though, Chris? What's that? Is he there very often, though? To oh, I don't know that. Keith's I mean, I, when I say neighbor, I'm saying he lives in U City. Yeah. He's not well, exactly my neighbor, but right, apparently right. he's supposed to live in U City. But here's my here's my question. Yeah, and you talked about you can own property anywhere you want to. That don't mean you live there. <laughs> all right, all right. Here's my question. People have waited 50 plus years for that uh, first congressional seat to open. As we all know, you know, Bill Clay had it for 30 years. Uh, Bill Lacey's had it for the last 20 years. Uh, Cory Bush won a, a surprising victory. But, Keith, do you think in two years that she's going to be challenged in a, in a primary, especially Absolutely. if she doesn't go through this without being mistake-free? But if she makes mistakes, are there loads of people lining up to, to do you think, to challenge her in a primary? 60 seconds, Absolutely. Keith. 60 seconds. Absolutely, and Lacey is going to be funding and getting behind one. I'm not going to tell you who I think it, the, 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 <laughs> who I think is who I think it is because I, I I swore you know the confidentiality, but I can tell you hey, this: you've been giving us inside dope. information for the last <laughs> exactly. 15 minutes. You it's can tell us. <laughs> Nobody okay. listens to this okay. show, Keith. Okay. It's no, all right. No, here I go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> I guarantee you that State Senator Brian Williams, who is a Lacey protege who is very, very sharp, I guarantee you he's going to run and he will win. Woo! Now, my state, he's this, my state senator. Mark, there you go. Mark, Mark, Mark my word. Hear me now and think about it later. Flag the tape. It will be Brian Williams, State Senator Brian Williams. He will win. She's a one-hit wonder. That's it. She's out of there. Whatever you say to fund the Pentagon, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Keith Antone, thank you so much for your time. It is always great to talk with you, my friend. We'll have you back on again real soon. Thank you, Keith. All right, guys. Take care. You God bet. bless. Back at you. All right. Got to take a quick break. Don't well, go he anywhere. He brings the fire, doesn't he? He's, Ooh, I love talking dropping to Keith. Bombs, dropping bombs. Dropping knowledge. Today. Yeah, he was in rare form, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't too combative for once. So that's pretty good. All right. Don't go anywhere. More Weekend Report coming up. Next on 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with producer Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arps. 
Went a little long there with our buddy Keith and Tone. So we got one more short segment here to wrap up this hour, and then we got a big second hour coming up for you. We're going to talk to John Brown from Fox 2. Going to get his thoughts on some of the big headlines affecting the St. Louis area and talk to him about his new book, which is called uh, Missouri Timeline. A very interesting book uh, celebrating 200 years of the state of Missouri, uh, the uh, state's 200th Uh, birthday is next year so very cool stuff there and uh in the next segment at the top of the hour we are going to talk to our good friend burgess owens can't wait to have that conversation with burgess who we can now officially call congressman elect so cool um chris did is it me or did did uh did you and keith kind of get along in that last segment that was actually part of the plan, Tony. I was going to mention it to you that I was going to be on my best behavior and I was going to be conciliatory and congratulatory to uh, Mr. Antone and not give him a hard time today. Well, and it was and interesting. And I think I may have succeeded. It was interesting to hear his take on well, the division in the Democratic Party and sort of the the uh, thinking between the more traditional Democrats and the progressives. And for Keith to take such a, a, a firm stance on saying, look, uh, you try to pull our party too far to the left and you're going to split us in half, knock it off. That was pretty interesting. Look, I think Keith is a smart political animal and he saw the results a couple of Tuesdays ago that showed that America repudiated uh, liberalism and, and, and socialism and almost reelected Donald Trump. That this was an election that people were against Donald Trump and his personality. Americans that voted for him in 2016 couldn't take him in 2020 and vote him against him. But the Democratic uh, agenda was repudiated. Yeah, no, unbelievably uh, uh, interesting stuff from uh, from from Keith there. So make sure you go and check that out. I want to remind people about our podcast. You can get our podcast each and every week. We release it um, on just about every platform that you can get podcasts, but I always recommend the radio.com app because on the radio.com app, you can favorite the radio station and then you have basically one-stop shopping for everything here. You can stream the station 24-7, you can rewind live radio, and you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station uh, right there on the radio.com app. Uh, I wanted to kind of give a little PSA, a little uh, uh, piece of information, a little warning to everybody listening. Uh, Amron has issued a warning that I think is important for to get out there that scammers are targeting their customers in the St. Louis area. Uh, the scammers are able to make it look like Amron is calling you on your caller ID and they will tell you that you are late and they will threaten canceling your service if you don't pay them immediately. Um, and Amron says that uh, they will always make initial contact about uh, a billing dispute through the mail. They're not going to call you and make that threat over the phone. Uh, this actually happened to a friend of mine who is very uh, savvy when it comes to scams and you know that kind of thing and not falling for it and it didn't they didn't fall for it but they said that it was believable enough that they had them thinking that when their phone indicated that they were getting a call from Amron you know they thought it was a legitimate call and hung up the phone it was a business owner uh, a friend of mine and uh, they called their the their business partner and said hey look I just got this call from Amron what's going on are we late on our bill blah blah, blah. and they you know, we're able to determine that it was a scam, but um, 
you know, these are very smart people, and and you know, they it it, it had them thinking. So I just wanted to make sure we we put that out there. And- and Tony, I, and I'm hearing unconfirmed reports that the person on the other line had a very distinct Nigerian accent. Um, I don't know how how true that is. I don't but, know how uh, true that. What... I don't know how true that is either. But I would imagine that uh, it's very possible that there is a thick accent on the other side. Everybody of that call. in this room ha- has gotten a a late bill from Amherst, haven't we? <laughs> oh, You've I've not me not paid never. It. You're not in this room. I, oh. <laughs> that's a great point. Dude, 20 years ago, every time the phone rang, it was a bill collector. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I've had those uh, I've had those discussions with Amron. Like like, I've had those God discussions with, with Charter. I've had those discussions with uh, the water company. I've had those discussions with the trash company. College loans. Oh, uh, yeah, all of them. All right. So, yeah. So just keep your eyes open. I mean, obviously, every season is sort of scammer season, but especially now as we're going to the holidays and the weather's changing, uh, a lot of people are trying to take advantage of that. So keep your eyes open. Just wanted to make sure that uh, we put that information out there. All right. And Nigerian scammers with the name Prince. We got to wrap up this first hour. We've got a great second hour coming up, and we're going to talk to Burgess Owens when we get back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report. My pretty it's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Perry Woods. The Weekend Report is on your radio. It is hour number two of The Weekend Report. Thank you so much for joining us. If you missed anything in that first hour, make sure you download our podcast. We put out our podcast each and every week. And you can get the Weekend Report podcast just about anywhere you get podcasts, but I recommend the Radio.com app for so many reasons. Radio.com app is free. You can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio, and you can download the podcast of this show and every other show on the station all right there on that Radio.com app. Had a real good conversation, long conversation, with our friend Keith Antone, America's favorite liberal, in that first hour so make sure you go back and check that out and we have a packed second hour for you in a few minutes we're going to talk to john brown fox 2 news anchor and brand new author john brown so we are looking forward to that conversation and as i mentioned at the end of the last hour joining us now on the line we can finally say we can finally say yeah congressman elect Burgess Owens is back on the show. Burgess, congratulations from everyone here at the Weekend Report and our radio station. And uh, on behalf of all of our listeners, I think uh, many of them are are huge supporters of you. Uh, Congratulations on a hard-fought battle and uh, winning your race. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll say this. You guys have been there. Uh, from the very beginning, when I was at, the, at a phase of my life where I was saying, never, ever would I be a politician. Yes. So you've seen the transition. <laughs> I, so I mentioned my, my that earlier. Say, never and, say never. Yeah, I mentioned that at the beginning of the show when we were talking about having you on again today, how even when we first met you, you were not interested. You know, a few no. years ago when we when we first uh, uh, met you, you were not interested in running for uh, politics, being, being in politics. Um, but, uh, you know, things change and in, and now here you are in politics and at a very high level in the United States house of representatives. It's, it's a pretty well, awesome you know, journey. It really has been. And I, so I had a, uh, a experience on, on, I guess it was third Friday night. Cause I came out, I came out uh, a day early to do another event. Wasn't sure, you know, where, where it was going to head off to. 
And, uh, and they would decide to take this White House uh, tour on Friday night. And I'm one of those guys, I'm not really a tour guy. So I was bored to tears watching these, looking at these pictures and porcelain and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. I remember asking the, the tour, well, how long do we have to do this? <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> it just so happened, we we're going through the Red Room in the White House, and I got the call that uh, that uh, we, we got the numbers in. So in one of those areas, one wow. of those towns, I'll never forget where I was. And I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm not, I wasn't in the hotel room looking at TV after all. So <laughs> it was one of, those, uh, one of those moments, really great moments so for cool. sure. Go ahead, Chris. Now, Burgess, our producer, Frank, told us before you came on the line that uh, are you at the White House now? I'm actually I went at uh, Leader McCarthy's uh, uh, building. We had a little event over here and cool. I just got done with it as you guys as, uh, as we were talking. So I was glad we, we had to that we worked that out just perfectly. Mm-hmm. But it's been it, by the way, just, you know, we, the, what I'm most proud of is this freshman team that you guys are gonna have a chance to get to know over the next couple of years. It is a remarkable team of true patriots. Many of them, like myself, never thought about running for office. But we see this window in which we now understand what American leading, uh, leading the American loving leadership looks like. And we've decided this might be a time for us to, to put our hat in the ring, and I think we can make a big difference. So I'm, I'm very much honored. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this. My, when I played the Super Bowl back in uh, 1981, Super Bowl 15, I remember sitting in the locker room just before, before, before going out in the football field, and thinking, uh, I, as I'm looking around the room and seeing these all-stars, these guys I've had so, so much respect for, thinking I cannot believe I'm sitting here getting ready to go out and play the biggest game of my life. And I have that same feeling now that mm. it's, it's an awesome, humbling feeling to be uh, here at these, this time with this particular team uh, with so much uh, at stake for our country. And I'm just thankful for all those who supported me, who prayed for us, for my, for my team, and um, and those, of course, who voted for me uh, in Utah. It's just been a, a great run. It really has been. So, Burgess, I told Chris uh, in the audience that I was going to ask you this question when we had you on. You just mentioned being a part of this uh, freshman class coming in. One of the first things that you'll do in January, once you are a member of the United States House, is you guys will be voting on leadership. Uh, will you be voting to uh, to keep Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, and uh, no, and no. <laughs> uh, so, so, no, but you know, here, here's what's kind of cool about where we Frank are. Frank is very I, disappointed. I've talked about this uh, a few times. I have so much trust in the American people and so much faith in what we do at the right time uh, for the right reasons. And, and here we are, guys. We're going into this particular uh, class, and we have the smallest margin. Uh, they have the smallest margin of, of uh, leadership since World War II. <clears throat> So what it's going to take, what it's going to say is this, those who were called, called themselves moderate but really weren't and continue to vote for Pelosi's leftist ways, they are, they're no longer around. Many of them are no longer here. Mm. So those who want to maintain their seat and be part of this next Congress will have to start working with those of us who truly care about those tenets that make our country great. The socialist Marxist ways will not work. We made sure that's, that, that's obvious. And for those who want to continue to, to vote in that light, against our, our, our opportunities for life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, then we give them big, get a much bigger, stronger uh, group of, uh, of uh, freshmen next time around. So I'm excited that we've put those guys on notice. They have to come to work every single day, and we have to start looking at working across the aisle to make, our, make sure our country moves forward. It's Burgess Owens. Go ahead, Chris. You know, that was uh, very interesting what you said, and I heard this before somewhere else, where the, you know, when we took over the Congress in 94, the New Gingrich Revolution, that the 92 class was a historic class. There was a lot of new members like this current class, a lot of uh, women, 
a lot of diversity. And uh, two yep. years later, they took over the Congress. So it looks like, Burgess, that uh, the class of uh, 2020 is poised to take over uh, in 2022 or to help take over. One question that I have for you, Burgess, here's a hard-hitting question for you. Do you plan on joining the Congressional Black Caucus as a <laughs> freshman member of Congress? <clears throat> Absolutely not. And it, and it, it comes down to the reverse of this. It, it comes down to this. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not what we do and how we look outside. It, you know, that's the diversity that so many people kind of put a focus on. Uh, it's all about what we care about inside, and we care about our country. Those of us who are conservatives care about our nation. We care about our particular communities we service. And what I found out, and I've talked about this, the Black Caucus has, has voted against my race as long as they've been around. They've uh, they've they've they've, they've turned everything that I that I grew up in, the great community of loving country, loving family, entrepreneurship, jobs, and creating jobs. They've voted against that every single step of the way. So my goal is to expose it. My goal is to expose the, the, um, the, the hypocrisy of those who, who do very well in this country and yet to turn around and tell the rest of my race and the rest of the country that we can't, can't do the same thing. So, so I'm, I'm going to be a voice. It uh, might not be very popular with, uh, with the left, but I think it's time for us to wake up and recognize that uh, it's not our skin tone that makes us great Americans. It's, it's how we love our country, love our God, love our community, love each other, and want to do the very best, and we vote in that way. We don't vote against them. And it's time for us to uh, to recognize what that looks like. Burtis, I've said many times that I think that you are one of the most powerful people I have ever heard dis- deliver that message. And I'd like you to do it again here, maybe in a condensed form, a couple of minutes. But for people that are hearing you <laughs> say that and maybe scratching their head saying, what do you, what do you mean the Congressional Black Caucus is working against the African-American community? Um, could you point out some examples or, uh, you know, Absolutely. reasons that you bu- that you believe the Democrats <laughs> have not had the best interest of African-Americans uh, at heart? Absolutely. Well, let me just first of all kind of put it in context. You have to understand the community I grew up in, the days, days of the KKK, Jim Crow and segregation, just like every other community. Miles, we're proud of who we were. We're proud Americans. We led the country in the 60s in the growth of the middle class, men matriculate from college. Uh, men committed to marriage over 70 percent and a percent of entrepreneurs over 40 percent. That was a community I grew up in, which meant across our country, in these segregated communities, 50 to 60 percent of black Americans were part of the middle class. We now have this group of black people who come and tell us, give these promises. And what do they do? They vote for as much abortion as they can finally get. And they put those abortion centers in the black community that, that is attacking our, our families. They vote against uh, they, they vote against job opportunities. Uh, they, they, they vote against pro-choice in schools. So our kids in the state of California, 75 percent of black boys in the state of California cannot pass standard reading and writing tests. Why? Because we have the, the labor union, the leftist labor union full of Marxists that the Black Caucus supports. Uh, Baltimore, 13 uh, schools have zero proficiency in math. These kids growing up have no choice are going to be a drain on our community because they will not have hope in our, in our country. They'll become one day socialists and Marxists because they have not been taught about the free market. So, no, uh, uh, it was not white supremacists who did my community in. It was black elitists. And it's time to point these people out, show them, let, have them prove to us what their value has been to the black community. They've been giving us promises for 60 years, and yet none of that has come true until President Trump comes along. He gives us the lowest unemployment in the history of mankind for blacks, Hispanics, Asian, women, veterans, a 400% increase of black business ownership. And what do these black caucus people do? They sit on their hands with a big scrawl on their face because they're upset. That, that President Trump is exceeding what they did not. 
So, no, this has to be pointed out. And what right now we have 18 percent of black men voted for President Trump. We had double of the black women from six to 12 percent. We're leaving that plantation big time. I'm excited about it. And I'll be pointing out exact, exactly why we're doing this and uh, why the black caucus will lose more and more of their power as we start telling the truth to those who they've been serving and misserving for decades. That is the Super Bowl champion, best-selling author, and United States Congressman-elect Burgess Owens. Got a few minutes left here with Burgess. Go ahead, Chris. Burgess, I was going to ask you, I don't know if they have uh, given you yet your committee assignments, but what are your committee assignments and what uh, committees are you seeking to serve on? We're, that, we're now going through that process as we speak. Uh, obviously, you guys have heard me talk. I am big on education. Uh, I think that's our, our really, where, you know, ignorant and free can never be. Uh, that was Thomas Jefferson. So education will be one, small businesses or is the other. I have to see where, where that fits, how it fits. But it comes down to very simply this. The small businesses, it creates our middle class. Our middle class is, what, is the magnet for people across our country, around the world. Because this is where people come, they find hope, they find service, patience, uh, love of, of, of community. That, is, that defines our middle class. We need to make sure that we expand that out. Because right now the left is trying to destroy the middle class. That's what they're after. We need to make sure through small business ownership we can get that done and being educated to think outside the box and to have these kind of talks. Where even if we don't agree, we can agree to disagree because we have confidence in who we are and we can have respect for another, another opinion. Burgess, the last time we talked to you it was immediately after the election, about two weeks ago. And, you know, your race hadn't been called yet. They were still counting in, you know, the in the presidential election in several places. But there were already the lawsuits and things like that put into place. And at that time, you told us that you had a lot of faith in the president's yeah. legal team and the lawsuits that they had filed and and thought that, uh, you know, in the long run, they would be able to to prove the fraud and, uh, you know, come out on top. A couple weeks later now, how are you feeling about uh, where we stand with the presidential election and the various lawsuits the Trump campaign has filed? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, and again, the trust in the American people comes down to everything I, that, that I talk about. Mm -hmm. we, have a, we have elected a guy. Of, of all the people that have to go through this, this process, he's the right one. He's a tenacious fighter. He wants the best for our country. And I tell you, however this wins up, however this ends at the end of the day, the American people are now getting a, a good view of what we've been fighting against for decades. This last year, they can now see what it is to have their businesses shut down, their churches shut down. They can't go to school and all by the same type of people. So we as a people are waking up. We're having conversations now that we might not, might not have had two or three years ago, if not for this pandemic and all the issues we're going through, and including our election process. We now see that there is corruption, and we need to make sure we clean this up. By the way, coming out of Philadelphia, it's been known, it's an open secret for 23 years I've lived there that they cheat. So we need to make sure that we, the people, whatever our voices are, needs to be counted, needs to be um, uh, appreciated. We cannot have people who decide they want to do their own thing and will cheat us out of, uh, of what our, our rights are. So this is a good wake up. And I think we'll come out of this uh, in a much fresher, uh, with fresher eyes to make sure this doesn't happen again. Chris, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I Oh, yeah. I was just I was just saying, Burgess, <laughs> I'm so happy that you're, you're in Congress. It's just an amazing journey, just your life story from where you started to being a professional football player, to Super Bowl, to being in Congress. Um, you told that story well uh, at, at our at our event that we had. And I just look forward to seeing you in the coming years, uh, telling that story and rising up the ranks and being a real voice and a leader for uh, for the American people. 
and you're going to be our can, can insight. Say, you're going to be our insight to Congress, uh, Burgess. We're, okay. When we want to know what's it. going on on the inside, you're you're our go-to guy now. I hope that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> he is the official <laughs> congressman of the weekend report. One, we got him on record say, uh, right. saying we agreed to that. Can I say this one little thing? Yeah, go ahead. Into that, it's so it's so important. You, we went through that, that process, Chris, of what I did playing football. Keep in mind, in between, I lost everything. It was a chimney sweep during the day and a security guard at night. That is the part of the story that yeah. we need to make sure we're telling people because this country is about second chances. And my message is the greatest nine words we can tell each other as Americans. If I can do it, you can do it. So for those out there going through rough times, it might have to be a chimney sweep for a little bit. It might be a city guard for a while. If your goal is to make a difference, it might lead you one day to being a congressman. So hey. it's, it's kind of a cool thing. Yep, so hey, Burgess. All right. No. Yeah. Burgess, no weenies, no yep. wimps, no whiners. <laughs> you got that right. I've heard that before somewhere. <laughs> Burgess, I'm so hey, used guys. to telling people uh, Burgess for Utah. Uh, if they want to learn more about you, what do we tell people now? If they want to keep up Still, with what you're working on in Congress, and you know, you, you get your uh, get your Still. opinion on the issues, how do they do it? Still go there. Still okay. go there because we, we still have a lot to do. Matter of fact, we're working hard, very hard, to make sure we win the season in uh, Georgia. So whether it be fundraising for those guys or, or me being on the street down, uh, our feet on the street there, we're going to make sure we get our Senate, Senate back. So Burgess for Utah, go there. We find out the latest and any updates we want to send out, we'll, we'll, we'll send it to that process. That is the great right? Burgess Owens, Congressman-elect. It sounds yes. so good to say that finally. <laughs> uh, Burgess, we always appreciate your time. Love talking with you, and we will do do so again very, very soon, my friend. I, I, look, I look forward to my, my friends. Really do. Yeah. All the best, guys. Thank you. Back at you. All Bye-bye. right. Let's go ahead and take another quick break here. And as I mentioned, when we get back, we will talk to John Brown, Fox 2 anchor and author of uh, the new book, uh, An Illustrated Timeline, 200 Years of Heroes and Rogues, Heartbreak and Triumph. It's all about the state of Missouri. We're going to talk to John about his book and get his thoughts on some of the big headlines when we get back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. That slow jam, Chris. I love that. That's I love it. That's the quiet storm. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not exactly, but yeah, close. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Welcome back to... Here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Never heard this much of a song before. I know. We got to get... We're on the radio here. We got to get it together. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with my partner Chris Arps and producer Frank Ladd. Great conversation there with Burgess Owens. Chris, uh, it's so nice to say the words congressman-elect. It is, and it's well-deserved. And uh, as I said in the segment, I'm really looking forward to see the impact that he's going to make in the Congress in the years to come. Yeah, just want to remind people, if you have uh, if you missed anything from today's show or you just want to go back and hear it again, you can do so by downloading our podcast. You can get our podcast uh, just about anywhere you get podcasts. But uh, I always recommend the Radio.com app because once you have the Radio.com app, which is free, you can favorite 97.1 FM talk and then you can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio and you can d- download the podcast of this and every 
other show on the station, all right there on the Radio.com app. So if you missed any of that conversation with Congressman-elect Burgess Owens, you can go back and check it out. And if you miss any of this interview with our friend John Brown, you can do the same. Uh, As I mentioned at the end of that last segment, John Brown from Fox 2 joins us on the phone right now. He's got a brand new book out all about the state of Missouri. And uh, so it's great to catch up with you, John. How's it going? Hey guys, afternoon, still morning. Hey, depends <laughs> on where you're at, when you're listening, all that stuff. <laughs> right, and with the late night football game last night on the TV side, right. uh, yeah, I'm in a daze right now. So that's I don't know. Right. I didn't know what day it is. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, let's. Uh, you know, there's so much to talk about. I do want to 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 get your thoughts on some of the issues that we're facing here uh, nationally and locally. But first, I want to hear about the book. Tell us about the book, the inspiration behind writing it, and how people can find it. Well, you know, what's interesting is that um, Missouri's bicentennial, our 200th birthday, is coming up next year. And this was supposed to be the year of the big buildup for the party, right? right. Everybody would like the state of Missouri was going to be putting things in place. You were going to start seeing all this 2021 memorabilia going up. And it got shut down. Yeah. And so my book came out right in the midst of a pandemic, which, by the way, if you ever write a book, <laughs> writing a book during a pandemic when bookstores are closed is not always the best idea. I'm just going to throw that out there. But now it seems, now that we've gotten past the election, if we've gotten past the election. Yeah. When, when we <laughs> get past the election. <laughs> right. People are starting to, uh, you know, are going to start being really aware of it, especially heading into the holidays, uh, because it is going to be a big celebration in Missouri next year, our 200th birthday. And, uh, and so I've got this book and actually two or three more coming out next year all about Missouri's history and why we should be so proud of this state. Yep, absolutely. So the title of the book is Missouri, an illustrated timeline, 200 years of heroes and rogues, heartbreak and triumph. Um, tell us about some of the stories that are in the book. Well, I thought it was interesting, you know, and that's one thing, I th- and I always say, I, I don't consider myself a, a historian. That's somebody who teaches in a college setting or at a high school or something like that. I'm just a guy who lived in 20 different places all in Missouri, mm. and from my reporting in all these different cities all over the all over Missouri, I just became incredibly interested. As I bounced around, I'd find out neat stories or famous people from different parts of Missouri, and I started making a list, and that became my first book, Missouri Legends, which is famous people from the Show Me State. And as you can imagine, famous people did famous things. So mm-hmm. a lot of those famous people did amazing things that we don't realize. But digging into this book and talking to all the historians that, that, that helped me put this together, you really realize how Missouri was so pivotal in so many moments, like the Civil War, like the civil rights struggles. You know, all these things where we just kind of take it for granted that it happened elsewhere. But oftentimes, Missouri being right in the middle and so politically divided, we were the tipping point for a lot of that. So it gave me a good perspective on how important we have been over, uh, as a state. And, and again, we're not just flyover country. And that's one of the things that I find the most joy is talking to student groups or other people to say, you know, this inferiority complex we have in Missouri is so unwarranted. The number of famous people, significant events that have happened here, uh, inventions. And, like, you know, you look at the history of aerospace with uh, Missouri and St. Louis in particular, you start to realize how important we've been. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it brings a lot of joy to be able to introduce that or reintroduce that to people when they read the book and say, wow, I had no idea all this stuff happened here. And then, you know, then I talk to student groups and I say, you can't use the fact that you're in a small state in the middle of the country as an excuse not to achieve great things because people have done it, use their roadmap and you can do it too. So to me, it's, it's really inspirational to put it out and also talk to people about it as well. Talking to John Brown. Go ahead, Chris. 
You know, uh, Tony is born and raised in St. Louis. Um, I've been here since I was two years old. So we pretty much think we know St. Louis. But give <laughs> us one fact that we would be surprised to know about St. Louis, either an historical figure or an invention here or something that we'd say, huh, I didn't know that. Well, let me let me do this one, because the next book I'm writing is, is kind of a scientific angle of this. And so I'm in the midst of this right now. So we have another astronaut blasting off or is going up to the International Space Station is on his way. He's probably there by now. That's a guy from mid-Missouri. You know, we had Bob Behnken who went from mm-hmm. Pattonville to be the first person on the SpaceX uh, Dragon capsule. Mm-hmm. And then I'm digging back into the history of McDonnell Douglas, and we built so many of the machines that took us into space. You know, you look back at this stuff and you're like, wow, we have been so pivotal. Like even the fire brick, right? This, this is one of those that I stumbled upon. There's a fire brick plant in Mexico, Missouri, the old yeah. AP Green fire brick plant. Yeah. Those bricks were so unique. That's what NASA used to build the Kennedy Space Center. Oh, wow. You know, it's little and, stuff like that that it still gives me chills. You're yeah. like, man, what an impact we've had with these astronauts. And like Linda Godwin, one of the former, uh, one of the top-notch astronauts, a lot of them trained at UMR, what, at Missouri S&T yeah. now. I still can't say that. But um, – but, yeah, I mean, just from the aerospace and, you know, we built the Corvette here. People know that. And you see the technological advances. It really is cool to see that kind of history and the people who still live amongst us who were a part of that and did that here. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. And- and that brick company that you mentioned in Mexico, Missouri, is was owned by Senator Kit Bond's family. That's how they made their right. uh, their fortune was, it was with that company. If you ever drive through Mexico, and I used to MC the Miss Missouri pageant for years, and you drive into town, there's that big mansion over there on the right-hand <laughs> side as you're going in. That's Kit Bond's family, just, just so you know. And I know Kit lives here in town. Uh, but, yeah, he uh, he has quite the spread. Grew up on quite the spread there in mid-Missouri. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, we probably just take it for granted. I mean, every state, right, every state has, I'm sure, impressive history and things that they right. can talk about. But you mentioned us not we're right in the middle, right? We're right in the middle of the north and the south, right in the middle of the east and the west. We're right yeah. on the border of a one of the most important rivers, you know, it, it bodies of water in the entire country. So it's not surprising that there is so much history packed into our state. And uh, I think that anybody that has any interest in that stuff, uh, this book is definitely for them. Well, it's it's been rewarding, too, for people who – who read it and say, wow, you know, you think about transportation. It, by the way, one thing I want to clear up, we have so much stuff where we say, well, we were the first, like SLU, the first university west of the Mississippi. Yeah. Okay, let me just say, everything that happened in Missouri was the first west of the Mississippi, okay? <laughs> exactly. Because we were the only way across Because we were the, the only, right. We, we were so the first on the, on the west of the Mississippi. Right, <laughs> right. So let's stop that. We were, we, of course we were. We were the only thing here. So let's not take a great deal of pride in that. But, you know, as ever, western migration, everything came through St. Louis or St. Genevieve and on their way west, the, you know, the ponies, all that stuff. Yeah. The roads, everything came through here. And it gives you a good perspective of, like, with the Missouri Compromise. You know, we were the tipping point for states' rights in the Civil War. And it's just all this stuff that kind of melded right here. And with us being, you know, here's one that you said, what's something unique about our state or St. Louis? Our early lawmakers, we're talking 1820s, right, were smart enough to realize that they didn't want the capital of Missouri, this new state, to be based in St. Louis. Because St. Louis was the territorial capital of the Louisiana Purchase area. 
So they said, we don't want it to be like Washington, D.C., where the capital of our new state is on the eastern border, but yet we have to control and govern this entire state. So they picked a spot out in the middle of Missouri along the bluffs, didn't even have a name for this place, called it the city of Jefferson. That became Jefferson City. We are the only state in the country that actually picked a town and developed a town to be the seat of government because our forefathers were smart enough to say, we don't want it to be here. We want to put it in the center so people can easily get there as our state grows. I thought that was amazing foresight. And and that's one of those other stories that I I even grew up in mid-Missouri around Jeff City, and I never knew that part of the story. That was pretty cool to me. Go ahead, Chris. John, you're an amateur historian. One thing that I've always wondered you know when you watch old westerns st louis is always mentioned um st louis at one time was the fourth largest city you know in in the country in terms of population you know we sit on two rivers i always look at it st louis should have been chicago how come st louis never became chicago it seemed like we had everything going for us but chicago supplanted us why is that man now you're talking philosophy um (laughs) <laughs> so from what I've seen is maybe some of the same issues we face right now is territorialism in Missouri. You know, a lot of the forefathers here in St. Louis had that East Coast thing that we always talk about. You know, we think we're an East Coast city based here. And I think there was a lot of territorialism is that the people who came here early had the money, had the power, and they liked it that way. And so I think they really locked down the control of things and maybe that hampered the growth. And I'm just reaching for straws, right? This right. is my own philosophy. Sure. Because I still see that, is that maybe one of the regions we can, one of the reasons we can't grow as a region is that people who are doing so well and have done so well over the past two or 300 years are fine. You know, why would, why would we allow new money to come in? Why would we allow growth? Why would, because I've already got mine. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so maybe that was the same situation back then. The people who controlled things were fine, so they didn't allow new things to happen. Right. Talking, and again, that's just my own philosophy because I see it yeah. playing out now yeah. in the city of St. Louis is we don't allow new ideas often to come in. We don't allow new governance. We don't allow things because a lot of people are doing fine, so they don't need to allow other people to come in and make the pie bigger. It's a small way of thinking, but I think there might be something to that. Talking to John Brown from Fox 2 about his new book, Missouri, an illustrated timeline. John, we have a few minutes left. I did want to touch on some uh, uh, headlines here with you while we had you on the phone. Uh, Locally, obviously, the coronavirus situation is once again, you mentioned it, you know, it it, it affected your book. It affected uh, the the celebration of uh, of Missouri's bicentennial. And, um, you know, it's it's rearing its ugly head once rearing its ugly head once again. Um, and there's a lot of debate happening out there. You know, you can, uh, you know, in St. Louis City and St. Louis County, you're, you have a lot of restrictions, but you go into St. Charles County and the restrictions aren't nearly as much. And, you know, there's just a lot happening right now. Uh, how do you break down where we're at with coronavirus in the area and the various um, uh, debates uh, around what is the proper way to handle it? How do you, how do you, well, feel? okay. So from, okay. It's actually, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but my degree is in biology and chemistry. I was set to go to medical school in 94. And one of my best friends is an infectious disease specialist. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he's one of those who doesn't think there should be as extreme a lockdowns. People who are, who are facing severe health problems, he says probably should be, I don't know. Right. It's not my, my industry right now, but here's one thing I do know. 
And we got into a big debate with some of our legal experts yesterday, and it's going on Facebook right now, is mandates. You know, do you do a mandate? And we all heard Governor Parsons say, if I issue a mandate for masks, then I'm going to have to issue a mandate for vaccines. And I find that very interesting because if 52 percent of people say I'm not going to get a vaccine right now, including a lot of Democrats because of distrust of how it's been handled or whatever with, with President Trump. If you're going to say, well, you need to institute a mask mandate to prevent the spread for public health, the same thing could fall in line with a vaccine. And I don't think people want a vaccine mandate. So I, I, that to me has been the most eye-opening thing over the past week of that debate and from our legal experts and how other states are going to happen or are doing that. So I'm just saying watch out for the next couple of months how that rolls out in other states because there will be a push for some states to push for a mandatory vaccine. Um, I don't know how that's going to go. But I also know that these arbitrary county decisions don't work, mm. right? Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you lock down St. Louis County, and we've had friends say, hey, just meet us out in St. Charles County. And you think, oh, really? This is this is not effective then. Right. So, Amen. I, we I drive, we right drive on Saturdays over to St. Charles <laughs> County from my house in Florissant to get, it's packed. To get uh, a, a fountain soda from QT. Like literally like, hey, I, I, my wife loves QT fountain sodas and we can't right. get them in St. Louis County. So I will literally on a Saturday afternoon drive across the river 10 minutes and get a fountain soda for her because that's where I have to get a fountain soda. It's ridiculous. <laughs> right. And, but, I, but I will say this because I was just recently in, in Springfield and Branson and I stopped at a little gas station down close to Doolittle, I think was the town, close to where I was. And I almost got into a fight because I was wearing a mask. I didn't know the rules going in. (laughs) There was a guy behind the counter and his good old boy buddy who dropped a few F-bombs on me asking me what I was doing with the mask on. Am I some sort of commie? And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I don't know know the rules. Right. So it's just as ridiculous on both extremes. Exactly right. Guys, let's, let's think about this. Yeah, I know you don't like people telling you to, but you shouldn't be offended that I'm going to. Now, I will also say this. I succumbed, I succumbed to peer pressure. I took it off because I didn't want to fight too much. <laughs> well, I don't, hey, I don't blame like, you one bit. I don't blame you I'm one like, bit. I, okay, I'm out of my element here. You guys have home court advantage. You guys are one call away from getting 50 people here, so I'm taking the mask off. Right? Only, only so, got a couple of minutes left here, John. Yeah. Uh, you got another? You got one more for him, Chris? Yeah, I do. First of all, John, I want to congratulate you on your uh, political TV show that was nominated for a regional Emmy. Uh, yeah, the co-hosts, Hancock and Kelly, are down the hall here at Camo X. You guys do a, a great job with right that. <laughs> so I want to ask you a p- political question, of course. How surprised okay. were you that uh, St. Louis Mayor Lyda Cruzen decided not to run for re-election? Was that a surprise I to I, you? I was and I wasn't. I mean, from a, the standpoint of most politicians don't bow out after one. On the flip side, can you imagine governing this city right now with everything you're facing? I mean, you talk about one of the most difficult cities in the country to govern. And, you know, I think we were starting to see some good things happen before COVID. But before that, I mean, it was just a one. It seemed like one bad news item after another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they changed how the mayor is going to be elected, I think maybe part of the decision would be that she didn't see how she could win it the next time. So she's 68. I don't blame her. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. I, I was mm-hmm. surprised. Yes. Do I blame her? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I don't know that there's a path to victory on the next round. I'm not for sure. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, surprised, 
but I guess not really all that much. That's John Brown from Fox 2. John, before we let you go, tell people one more time about the book and how they can get it. Yeah, okay. So it's Missouri Timeline, and I, you know, one of the websites that I run is called Missouri Legends, and it's all the famous people from Missouri. I have them all listed there. But it's also like the biggest houses in Missouri, the, the biggest school districts, all these top ten lists. And so if you're looking for a holiday gift item, I sign them. I'm, I personalize them. So there you go. You're, you're, what page is Tony Colombo Christmas on, that Legends book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, on, he's, on, uh, yeah. he's in a draft. He's on a draft right now. Oh, I made oh, got it, got Chris, it. you and I will get, get our own chapter in the next book. So that's oh, the next right, book, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, again, the website is MissouriLegends.com, and you, you can buy the book from there. It's out in all the other places, but the only place to get signed copies is on my website, and that's what I'm doing all weekend since it's about to get cold. I'm going to be signing yeah. books and shipping them out this weekend, so if you need a gift idea, I'll personalize it however you want for mom, dad, grandma, whatever. Good I got stuff. You. John Brown, always great to talk with you, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, John. Appreciate All right, guys. It. Talk to you. You bet. All right, let's take another quick break, and uh, got more Weekend Report coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Scratch your neck. No, you didn't. You had no idea. I was watching you. I know, but you didn't have any Always idea. Always hits the note perfectly. Best air guitarist west of the Mississippi, as John Brown would say. <laughs> but Chris he's Arps. terrible on the Mark Cox show about coming in with the uh, shaft line. Oh, uh, well, yeah. There's a there's the delay. Yeah, right. Oh, he's going to blame the delay. Mm-hmm. You right. know, I'm thinking about giving air guitar, air guitar lessons. What do you think? I, I'll buy. I'll, 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 you know what? I won't You'll do it. I'm in. too old. It's too late for me, but I'll send my kids. <laughs> okay. You know, they, can, they can learn from the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Weekend Report. Man, I told you we had a packed show for you today. If you missed anything, make sure you go back and get the podcast. We talked to our buddy Keith Antone in the first hour. We've also talked to Burgess Owens, the now congressman-elect from the state of Utah, and just wrapped up that great conversation with John Brown from Fox 2, uh, not only about some issues in the area, but also his new book about the state of Missouri. So if you missed anything he's for a this great show, guy. He's, John's a great guy. Burgess is a great guy. Keith, great conversation, great guy. Um, big, Very good show today. If you missed any of it, make sure you go back and check out the uh, podcast. I want to do this story real quick. Um, I, did, I talked about this on the Dave Glover Show this week, but I, I find it to be very, very funny, and I wanted to get uh, your guys' reaction to this uh, as well. Do you guys remember LeVar Ball? Oh, yeah. He, he had the I kids. His his sons yeah. are, are very good basketball players, and um, he started the big baller And brand. he was their biggest fan. Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> he definitely is. So, uh, g- quick little history lesson. Him and Donald Trump were, were friends, kind of, and uh, then they had a, a very public feud uh, that was more LeVar Ball feuding with the president than anything. Um, 
his one of his sons was Leangelo Ball was when he was playing for UCLA. If you remember, got arrested in China for stealing sunglasses from a Louis Vuitton store with a couple of his teammates. President went over, negotiated some stuff, got the kids out of there, and got them back to the United States. Um, initially, Lavar Ball and and his family and everybody, you know, were praising the president, but then like suddenly said. They no longer uh, that they were mad at the president that he actually was taking credit for their release and he didn't do anything. They were mad. He, remember, they were mad at him for not letting them ride back from China on Air Force One. They had to fly, I guess, commercially home. And they how were, dare them? So anyway, so Lavar Ball this week was being interviewed and he says that the reason that Trump lost the election is because he uh, be, because of his relationship with Lavar Ball. If he would have stayed friends with with Lavar. And the big baller brand, he would have won the presidency. He said, quote, uh, if he would never have act a fool, he'd still be president. I would have been there for him. I would have helped him out. You want to act crazy with the big baller? Guess what happens? Anybody real crazy with me don't last long. Anyone mess with a big baller in the long run? It's not going to work out for you. <laughs> He go. He continues. Oh, there's more. He continues. <laughs> I, I'm just stunned by this. If Trump would have accepted my shoes and not acted a fool, he would still be president. Now he got to go. Oh, well. All Donald Trump had to do was take LeVar Ball's shoes and he would have won the election. Who knew? Huh. So simple. Well, that's what all the inside wow. polling is saying and the numbers are <laughs> yeah, saying. that polling... <laughs> He that, said he uh, paid if, for polling about LeVar Ball. Ball, Ice Cube, uh, Jeezy, and who left? The 50 Cent. <laughs> it's Weezy. That was the, that was the, uh, Jeezy, I'm sorry, Jeezy, Yeezy, That's Weezy, the, Jeezy. that was the winning combination right there. He said so if he never did that. a valuable opportunity. LeVar Ball, uh, he said if he never did that to the big baller, I would have been like, Trump's our guy. Let's roll. And everyone would have been like, we're voting. Let's go. Everyone. Everyone. He also <laughs> he also said that Trump tried to call him recently because Trump realized that he was struggling in the polls. And so as a last second lifeline, he tried to contact LeVar Ball and LeVar Ball said, I'm not accepting his call when he's down on his luck. He want to call a big baller and get back some love. I told him to call little Wayne. <laughs> Is recreational marijuana legal out there where he lives? I'm I'm having a tough time. Story. I'm having a tough time believing, honestly, whether or not that phone call part is is not true. I mean, it's you very think Trump quite... called Levar Ball and Levar Ball and Levar Ball told him to call Little Wayne. Yes, I think that's legitimately possible. Sadly enough, I don't. I don't. I mean, look in in 2020, nothing surprises me. But I think Would that I think really Levar Ball, you? referring to himself in the third person, Donald as big Trump baller. has a big Rolodex. He does. He does. And they were friends at one point. Yeah, I don't think he. That's seriously. Even there's 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 got to be a list of oh ten thousand people in this country easily that have more I- influence over people's voting habits than Levar Ball. Yeah, I don't think. I, I think Donald Trump Ball, could have reached out to anybody. Does he How about still Kanye? have any influence though? That's what I'm saying. Well, Kanye has influence. Right. So it's like... Lil Wayne has influence. Right. I don't think LeVar, I don't think LeVar, LeVar Ball, Ball has any. I don't think he has uh, that. Yeah. So I don't think Trump was calling him. Although, now we know, had he just accepted the shoes, he would have... Tony, you're, that's fake news. He'd be president. That's fake news. Which what part? Is? 
that he, he would have accepted. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. All the quotes are very real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the quotes from LeVar Ball are very, uh, very real. I'm not yeah, sure he, that I agree that if he would have accepted the shoes, he would have won. But that's uh, that's one man's opinion, apparently. He's out there, ain't he? All right. We got to go. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Weekend Report. Once again, if you missed our conversation with Keith Antone or John Brown or Burgess Owens, make sure you download our podcast on the radio.com app. And uh, we'll be back here same time next week. For producer Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arps, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.